Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, the only industrial safety podcast that brings you common sense advice on job site safety, standards, regulations, and industry best practices without putting you to sleep. All right, welcome back to another episode of Dave and Bacon Safety Tales. Here for another uh, exciting episode. What do you think? Ah. I got a quick reflection. So okay. I just came from a uh, just came from a, a funeral, and it's it's it kind of triggered as I was coming back, and I'm like, yeah, we got to do a podcast. So what does that trigger to me? It kind of triggers the whole emotion of why we get up and why 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 we do what we do. Yeah. And anybody that's in safety, yeah, I'm sure that everybody would stop if there wasn't a paycheck somehow that showed up in here. But when we're looking for, for purpose, you know, it's one that, you know, this wasn't, a, you know, occupationally driven funeral, but right. the long and short of it is that, you know, somebody's not here any longer. And I think that that's one of the thought processes that, you know, drives everybody that's in the industry that people, not only return home, but may, you know, even if they return home with their, you know, their hearing and their eyesight and things like that, 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 you know, yeah. life is such a precious thing. That's uh, a lot of times I just feel that we, we take for granted and just wanted to just divest that thought and get it out of my head. Fair enough. Well, on that note, we'll, uh, um, get into the usuals. So, if you need anything from us, reach out to us on any of the social media platforms. We have a website, quadcitysafety.com. Um, we just launched a new boot website at boots at boots.quadcitysafety.com. Yep. So we're pretty excited about that. If you guys would log on there, check it out, and buy a pair of boots if you need some, for God's sakes. We just ran a, a contest this week in our uh, local newspaper here for the most beat-up boots in the Quad Cities. And uh, we definitely got a lot of feedback. A lot of people shared their pictures of their duct tape boots or their insole flapping off or uh, the holes, the steel yeah, toe part showing through the steel and th- puncturing through the leather. So um, they're out there doing something. All of those things. Either that, I mean, I, you don't sit there and beat a pair of boots up like some of these ones that we saw. So yeah. It's just amazing what to see what people are still, you know, I would say I understand everything costs money, but yeah, you know, at some time, kind of, let's boot up, guys. <laughs> yeah, time to get some coming. So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, rescue. So it made me think of story. I was, I was what age did you learn to swim? Um, I was so young I don't remember. Okay, so I was not one of those kids. No, I mean I think I was probably two or three. Really. I mean, I, that's one of those I, toss, toss Davy in the water. Let's see if he floats. Uh, you, you know, coming from where I did, yeah. that was that was just you. how you did it. Yeah. And every one of my kids, when you threw them in there, they came right back up and paddled over to it, and we, then we started working on distance from there. They all swam right away. Yeah. Little like baby ages. Yeah, I got yep. two and four. Neither of them swim. I'm almost too late to start pulling any of that shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just that's how to yeah. say. Got to get them in the water more. Um, but anyways, I was one that didn't learn to swim probably till 12 or 13. Really? Figured out how to swim at yeah, no, 12 or 13. Were you like a, I just didn't feel 
comfortable getting that far out or like I'm sinking to the bottom and I'm dead? Pretty much. Okay. Only because that leads me into my rescue stories. Okay. So about 10 years old would have been time number one. And uh, it was out in a, a lake, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe river. I don't, I'm not sure, but sand bottom. Mm-hmm. So just hanging out and of course my mother lets me go out there by myself about 10 even though I don't know how to swim. I'm just messing around, catching a football, throwing it, playing with other kids. And all of a sudden I just hit a patch of sand that just slid me. And so then of course you panic. Yeah. And so you start pulling, <laughs> and I guess <laughs> it was a good 30 seconds or so that I was pretty much under bobbing up and going down and I guess my mom must have been looking out because she saw my head bobbing up and down and she took off and drugged me back in and I got to cough up some water and do all that fun stuff but that was rescue number one number so how many of these do we have second number two (laughs) two? there's only two that I recall okay yeah so the second one was just at a buddy's house they had a swimming pool it was just one of those swimming pools where you got the shallow end and then all of a sudden a nice slide into the deep end and I just caught the wrong part of that slide and just hit it and my feet slid right down and I was under. So then trying to bob in and another kid about my age came and swam over and pushed me back up the slide, but they, uh, he, he rescued me. Yeah. So wasn't prepared for, I, I didn't have a plan for what yeah. was going to happen when I reached the, the lake one. I didn't know that was coming. So there yeah. was really, I guess, that was for I the know adults. What you're talking about the in adults the, to the plan in-ground for pool because when I had an in-ground pool, yeah, I had it was like three foot in the shallow end, yeah, and it was ten feet at the deep end, but it went from the shallow to the deep end, Pretty literally quick. like in six or seven feet. Yeah, it was like you hit a slide. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was it was graded down. Yep. So that's that's what I did. I went over and yeah, I wasn't prepared for uh, the possibility of getting too close to the edge. They probably had a, one of those ropes with the little buoy things on there yeah. that was telling me, hey, dumbass, you can't swim. Don't go this close to it. Yeah. I just decided to not pay attention to that, and all of a sudden I went down. So that t- kind of takes me into what we're going to talk about today. Was This would be mostly fall protection related, but having a rescue plan. And, and again, you can loosely, you know, kind of how, you, how you're framing this up is you can loosely apply this really anything that you know you're doing safety wise yeah you know is is putting you know like you're saying the like you threw the rope out there yep you know so a visual like hey (laughs) you know and that rope and fall protection can be a you know a passive warning line system so yeah i just i I like how you're framing it up there frederick Mm -hmm. thought about it a little bit so i guess we'll start out with uh, before you kind of identify your hazard, I guess that's kind of really where you need to start, really, is identifying hazards. Where are you going to be? In this case, we're talking about fall protection. So where is the potential to fall, right? Um. Yes. I mean, it. people sometimes do that way too loosely. Okay. Meaning they're not paying attention to things that are, that are, looser than that okay so like you may get there and you go oh there's stairs but is there you know a handrail right there's oh we're walking on a surface but is there a guardrail you know um yeah we have a surface done but we're still bringing materials up through the floor so we have this you know four by six hole in the floor that we're bringing things up yeah so i guess 
too often I think people get into that whole, you, you know, that picture that, you know, everybody's seen where they're eating their lunch, dangling their feet off of, you right. know, of, uh, you know, uh, eye beams that they're doing steel erection with. I think that people get caught up that you have to be on top of a wind tower or you have to be doing structural steel or, right. And I, I, I guess that's where I back up is I think too loose. Sometimes people are like, you know, you'll, you'll go into a facility and you go, um, we don't, we don't have, we don't have any need for fall protection. Right. It's like, well, you start looking around and then you're like, well, how does somebody get into that crane? And then they explain it to you and you're literally like, you need fall protection. Right. Uh, so I guess what I, what I challenge people to do is not just, you know, you kind of always got to approach stuff like I want to get a second set of eyes and that's where i think we come in helpful a lot of times is a lot of people have been in a facility for a number of years i mean you can walk into my house and point out things to me that i would never see just because i've gotten so used to you know right wherever you know what everything is and where i think everything's at and how i think everything uses and you could walk in there and go well what why is that there i didn't even know it was there yeah, yeah. You know? well that's what having small kids they'll they'll let you know where the danger is at in your house oh yeah so it's like okay i got all the light the the plugs are all filled in with the yeah holders they can't jam a spoon in there all right i got that covered but i didn't see that the coffee table has a razor sharp edge on the end of it until someone sprints into it at you know five miles an hour running around the corner and sliding in their footy pajamas so um okay so I guess in most cases, like kind of what you were just talking about, say you have a five-foot fall or you have an eight-foot fall, is is rescue really something that you need to look at in those circumstances, or is it just a different a different way to look at it? Um, I don't think it hurts to think about it because let's say uh, today in the United States somebody was somewhere on a ladder that thought that they had three points of contact yeah that fell so that's the argument for yeah somewhere there there is because literally there was there was a fall hazard or a potential for a fall hazard and the thing about that guy that's five foot when he hits it's not good right it's, it's statistically i i mean Reading the statistics that I've seen is I would rather fall from a higher distance than that because at that point in time I cracked my watermelon and I got blood on my brain and I'm you know I'm I'm either a vegetable or in a coma. Yeah. But so so sitting there, am I making sense of what I'm saying? Is yeah. I, I think that two people too many people again, just going back to the, the, the thought that they're like, Oh no, we're not we're not we're not hanging off the side of the building. That's not that's not what we're saying. And the walking, working surfaces standard that just came out really changed everything up anyway. Because you used to be able to approach, you know, the edge of a building at six foot. Now, I mean, that's brought way back. I mean, it's back to 20-something that you have to, you know, you have to account for. Cool. So some of the, uh, I don't know, I guess fall hazards uh, that you can identify, whether or not, you know, uh, you need debris nets or tow boards or uh, guardrails if you're on a roof or there's a skylight opening or mm-hmm. uh, 
floor openings, window openings, anything that you can fall through. You're working off of a deck. If there's leading edge, if you're working in a lift, um, there's a significant grade drop off from, you know, when you're working, because that could even be, you feel like you're on the ground. So you're like, I don't need fall protection because I'm on touching the ground, but maybe there's a big ass hole that's right there. And it's like, you're working near the hole. So you could all of a sudden trip and fall in the hole. There's still potential for fall, even though you might be working on the same ground that you just drove your truck on, you know, 20 minutes ago. So, so you kind of start there. Then, um, sorry, I'm looking over my, my list here. Um, I guess restraint would be another, but, potential um way to look at it is that you can actually restrain yourself um rather well you have yeah you typically have passive and active systems and so a passive system is something that says i'm going to keep somebody from getting to the edge i'm going to put uh controls to keep them from getting to the edge so it can be um it can be a warning line. It can be a warning line with a monitor. Um, there's a lot of ways to go after it. You know, passive, again, is, you know, the classic trying to engineer out the hazard. Yeah. You know, restraint would fall in there. And then the active is like, nah, man, we got to get, we've got to get up to the edge and might fall over it. We're, right. we're preparing. When we get to active, then, then we're getting theoretically more towards where we'd have to do rescue. But could you still have... A need to do a rescue when you have a passive system, yeah, because uh, a lot of the problem with passive the problem with passive systems still are is a lot of them are still uh, ran by humans. Yeah. So, oh, it's it's you know it's eight it's five foot to the uh, the edge, but if I use this eight foot uh, restraint lanyard. Uh, I should be fine, and no, you're three foot over the edge. So they sometimes, you know, I guess what I'm saying is a lot of times those passive systems still still have the ability to fail. Yeah, well, especially if you're talking like a, a warning line. Yeah, or a netting or something like that. That oh, somebody I see what, trips off and falls every time into a every time I see a warning line, I will see at least one dumbass yeah. outside of the footprint of it Push without it fall it. protection on. So you sit there and you go. They set it up. That's what was supposed to be done. They should have had a meeting. They go, guys, don't. Yeah. <laughs> stay in the box. Stay in the. Stay in here. And they still got out of it. Yep. So when we start talking about a rescue plan, um, the first thing I got down on my list here is to figure out who is going to be the rescuer. Because um, you you got to have a plan when you're starting to lay that out. It yeah. might be, well, we have a. We have all these systems in place, but who's going to be the person that in- implements them? Do you have a person on site? Is it a, you have a, a team of people and one of these people is the designated rescuer that's got all this stuff ready to go? So start with that. Um, communication. Like there's got to be some way that buddy up there takes a fall. How is he going to get in touch with somebody that says he needs help? Mm-hmm. So whether that's someone yelling or he's got a whistle around his neck, is he using his cell phone? Um, Lone workers, radio. Lone workers become a big deal. Okay. Um, and when we talk about lone worker, we're talking situations where, you know, somebody has to go do a task where they have to have fall protection on, uh, and they don't have access to anybody. 
So if they go, if they fall, nobody, you know, hell, they could sit there, they could have fall protection on, it do its job, and then they just hang there until they expire right. because of a, you know, a cardiac event. Yeah. I mean, that's why you've seen the, you know, there's harnesses out there now that you go into fall arrest, you pull your handy dandy clip, and it lowers you to it lowers you to the ground. Okay. So I mean, there's they've done a lot of thoughts. There's past devices, so there's devices that they'll put, you know, on you know people that are loan workers to radio people if something somebody goes down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, communication is is definitely how to say it's it's a it's a two channel because the communication has to be between the worker and somebody that's managing the process and then between the manager of the process and first responder you know yeah because anytime you have a risk anytime you have an accident and i'll say this time and time again is i've read i don't know how many stories where somebody falls says you know everybody looks at him and goes man it wasn't that far are you all right I'm like yeah. yeah man i'll be fine he goes home and he dies in his sleep because right. of something i mean it, ha- it it's it happens all the time and you know having having the first responders check you out it's probably not a bad thing to you know to make yeah. me feel better yeah especially yeah especially if there's all kinds of liability and all that fun stuff so so communication with the the person who's the authorized rescuer or whoever your buddy is that's helping to make sure someone can get you help you're up there working it could be that somebody's only 100 feet away so they feel like you guys are still a team but you don't realize for 10 minutes that somebody took a fall and they're hanging there yeah. you know so well and then that person to get into contact with yeah your first aid but it's classic uh like confined space entry is you know you got your person that enters and then your person that monitors right but if some if the person that enters falls the person that monitors needs to talk to somebody to you know so yeah. there's sometimes a ch- line of communication there is hey <laughs> down here and i need to get out of here right so monitor goes okay i'm getting you out of there but then you may need you know there's other people that are going to have to be involved well, and so. it happens all the time that and obviously training takes care of a lot of it but someone's in a confined space and then buddy's like i'm going in oh he just went down i'm going in to get him and then all of a sudden he goes down too yeah because of whatever was in that whatever was in the hole yeah so all right um then i got once uh, emergency responders have been contacted um we got to get uh figure out what kind of equipment that we have on hand you know hopefully trainings went went by for that so th- I guess we're, I'm looking at the safety of the person that's going in to do the rescue. So the example that we just gave is in a confined space that we got to make sure that the person that's going to do the rescuing is also going to be yep. safe. And so now you got two people that What's are What's the atmosphere? Hold. I mean, when you get into to rescue, yeah, uh, some of the classic fall protection things go out the windows. You right. Know, when you start looking at anchor points and stuff like that, because at that point in time, I would say time, time is money. Yeah. <laughs> you know? you're you're up you're always up against the clock yeah and then we got to start looking at how will the rescuer get to the person that fell um are we going to use is it is there like a rescue ladder does somebody need keys to get to a building or a roof to where they're at 
um, when we're pulling, does someone have the ability to pull, you know, the strength maybe to pull this person out yep. from the rescue system that you have in? Obviously, there's a lot of equipment now that makes it so you don't have to be as strong, but yep. a lot of companies, I'm sure, are still using systems that requires a significant amount of strength to pull somebody up. Yeah, if you because there's no doubt about it. I mean, you don't want it to look like a bad game of tug of war yeah. when you're trying to get somebody out of, you know. And it could be multiple people. Yeah. Meaning if you have a rescuer that's going in after an entrant in a confined space, they they may both be off of the same line. Yeah. You know, so is that system re- ready to, to handle that much weight? Yeah. Or the man basket that you're sending somebody over to maybe grab somebody. That's well, kind may, of the same yeah. thing. Well, there's another thing is um, when somebody's in there, are they injured? And if they are injured, how, you know... Because uh, you sit there and you see like some of the more complicated ones that I've I've seen is is when people get uh, they'll have a rescue plan for somebody gets hurt up tower in a wind tower right and then you're sitting there going okay we gotta get this guy on a spine board we have to move him around the nacelle which is the big Winnebago thing that sits up on top of the stick and they gotta move him around and then they got then they gotta put him out you know either out the main hole that just they're probably not going to do that. They're probably going to take him down through through the tower, and it's three hundred feet. Right. <laughs> it's not. It's not a. It's not just. It's not. You get that side, and I'll get that side, and we'll carry. It's not like carrying your buddy off the you know the field or yeah. you know off the basketball court. Whoops! You know you hurt your leg. Grab my shoulder, and he grab his shoulder, and we'll get you off here. Yeah. Well, and then you've also. <laughs> A lot of companies will still have call the call the fire department as their as their rescue plan. I'd and say so eight, if that if that was your plan, you better have yeah. a process. How quick can they get here? How uh, what are we going to be able to direct them to where this person's at? You know, in the event of a fall, and what do we do? Better have some trauma straps or something like that to to make them ready. That's, Obviously, that's not best case scenario, but but that's one of the that that observation that you said there is is pretty key also is um you you can have the fire department come out and most of them don't care they'll come out and want to see it yeah so that when they get that call somebody has an idea like you say is let's say it's you know building we're in right now is forty thousand square foot so there's a lot of different places that i can be yeah and realistically if i want to be i want my response time to be well under 10 minutes somewhere around five ish would be like awesome yeah I can walk around here for five minutes trying to figure out what's going on. Right. You know, so so having an identify, having a, a understanding of what the structure looks like or what's in the structure. For sure. Um, and then kind of a little bit we've talked about, but going over what equipment is needed to ensure like proper response time to like minimize the trauma. So that could be like a, even a stretcher because um, mm-hmm. you get – guy down he was hanging up there for 10 minutes he's gonna be hurting when he gets down um so you might need some first aid for him if he took a fall it could have um swung and hit something you might need it's as simple as ice and bandages all the way up to something for a significant trauma um one other thing they got down here is how will others be protected so it could be in an area where you need to direct traffic away so that uh your, yeah, your uh, your help can get there. Um, yep. Having somebody blocked off so that no one gets underneath where this guy's at. 
um, setting up barriers. Um, 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 um. Let's see here. Let's get one thing I hadn't really thought about too was. Well, you got you got a couple other ones in here. Is sure. weather conditions? Yeah. You know, A is not equal to B. Uh, proximity to the hospital is less. If you got something where you have a potential for a cardiac event, maybe an, a defibrillator on site is not a bad thing to to have while while you're waiting for some level of response. Yeah, um, we continue to work in a very diverse work environment that. Um, you know, my name's David. They call me David, and I only know that just because I took Spanish in high school. But if we're sitting there talking about something's going wrong, I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to understand what they're right. saying. And it's nothing other than they don't speak English, I don't speak Spanish, and so we have language barriers. Especially in a panic situation. Oh, no doubt about it. can slow down and be like yeah, pointing every, to things. Everybody's freaking out. Yeah, yeah. We're, not, we're not doing... Kind of the infant sign language thing, right. you know. Where, Maybe I know Albano to get me to the toilet. But yeah, other than that's that, probably I don't, I don't the only emergency that we're going <laughs> to solve together. <laughs> right. But one thing that brought up weather, I think that's a a major and like a super important one. If you're in snow, mm-hmm. that's going to completely change a rescue situation or even rain. You know, you're up there in rain. That's going to affect grip if you have to grab and pull on a rope. Um, it's going to have, you're going to have stuff, it's going to, you're going to be slipping and sliding if you're on like a platform mm-hmm. you don't have a, a tow board to push up against or something like that. So you really probably need to think about that. Like in regard, I don't know if you, is that a daily assessment of a, how do you, how do you kind of analyze a rescue plan? Is that something, how often oh, do you need to look at it? Well, I mean, you just have those things to, in place. To, to like, me, if it's raining, to here's me, what we got to do. To me, when you look at it, you have to look at, at it as I'm either in kind of an industrial situation or um or i'm a construction guy yeah an industrial guy you know as long as you're kind of going back in there and making sure anytime something in the plant changes that you you look at that and wonder how it affects any program that you have you're fine but when you when you start talking about a construction site is a construction site changes every day I've been watching, they're building a Costco up the street. Yeah. And I've been watching that. And I was watching them move dirt and move dirt and move dirt. And then all of a sudden I came by and they had half of, you know, the, you know, the iron workers had showed up and start putting, you know, the roofing system in. And it's literally like that happened really quick. Yeah. So what happened uh, yesterday is not the same as today. Right. So. In that case, you know, sometimes a JLG is good enough, but if you don't have it there, you know, and they start without it, somebody falls. Pretty sure Sunbelt's not going to get it over there fast enough to to do what you right. what you need. Or you were outside today, and tomorrow right. you're now inside because there's a built structure there that wasn't there yesterday. You yeah. might not be able to access it with that piece of equipment. Yeah, it's moved around, but that's. That's that's what's hard about construction to me when you talk about uh, accident prevention as well as rescue is everything is so dynamic. Yeah, it change. You know, it's it's constantly, constantly changing. Well, I think that leads into the kind of the last little bullet point I had, which is training. Um, None of this is going to make any sense to anybody. It's not going to work if you don't have the employees and the people involved trained on how it's going to work. Absolutely. 
So that's something you're going to have to. You can write the best safety plan on the the planet. Yeah, that, but if nobody knows how to use you read it. through it and you're like, man, this addresses everything, but yeah. nobody in the building knows shit about it. Yeah. It's yeah. like, Dave, Fred just took a fall over there. Hang on just a second. I got to go run and grab the book. Let me read it. Start on page 84. <laughs> Flip to page 84. Start on page 84. <laughs> no, man, I'm cutting him down. <laughs> I got my knife on. I got to get him down. There's no time for that. So, that'll wrap that up. Anything else you got to say on rescue? Um, anything that I can say on rescue yeah. is... Um, you, you, it's, it's overlooked yeah. constantly. And it's life or death. Yeah. And it's literally, you know, it's worth paying attention to because, you know, we go, I, I like to always frame it up as you can care about safety because of the money or you can care about safety because of people. Right. And in both situations, it's a really bad outcome. Yeah. So... You know, if somebody, you're unable to rescue somebody and they expire, it's $1.4 million. So you can either be the guy that chooses to look at it, $1.4 million, or you can be able to look at it and go, Bill's dead. Right. <laughs> I mean, so it's just the outcome of it. Some, some of the topics that we talk about, you know, yeah, you may end up with a, without Stitches. an eye or, a, you know, a finger or something like that, which those suck too. Yeah. But... Those also cost money, but they're not as, I don't think they're as catastrophic. I don't think, just going back to the fact that I came from a funeral is probably why I'm more. Yeah, for sure. You know, but if, if you guys need any help with any of your, with with rescue plan or getting you in touch with somebody that can help you write it or get any examples of what a rescue plan might look like, feel free to reach out to us. We'll get you in contact with the right people if we can't help you ourselves. So And there's there's us and manufacturers. We have a ton of manufacturers yeah. out there that are dying to come help you guys with this stuff. For sure. And it's just because the only reason you don't have is because you haven't asked for it. Yep. So we'll put a bow on that one, and we'll move on to uh, Dumbass of the Week for this week. So, seen this guy multiple times, um, a lot of times in construction, a lot of times where they don't think, they're not using fall protection very often, but it's anything as a tie-off point guy. That's the guy that'll tie off to a fixed ladder, or tie off to a light fixture, or, or a temporary wall. It's got two by fours that are hanging up. Water pipe. Water pipes, electrical pipes. Conduit. Conduit, yeah. Railings. Um, I've seen it where they had a tie-off point where it was almost like something they should have been hanging wind chimes in the corner of their of their room. It was coming out of drywall, and it's just a little eye hook. And they had a retractable tie-off well, to I mean, it. Which... I mean, people... And ignorance is not bad. Yeah. That's the other thing that we have to think about in safety is it's okay to ask a question. Yeah, and we got to be able to receive them without being, you know, really heinous. Sometimes it's like, no, you dumbass. Yeah. But you know, I had somebody call and hey, you know, we're on a JLG and we want to get out of it. We wondered if it's okay if we used a rebar hook and clipped into the top part of the guard guardrail system on the JLG. And it was kind of like, I guess I could kind of get where they think it's okay. Yeah. But it's like, no, right? Don't do that. 
Yeah, it's like, what happens? Yeah. yeah, you know. And I mean, I'll sit there and go as much as anybody. I go, well, something's probably better than nothing if you're just going to do it anyway. Yeah. But, you know, I think that we're, I want to believe that our society is getting past that. So this guy needs a buddy. The guy that ties off to all these things mm-hmm. needs a buddy. He needs somebody watching him that just says, hey, man, don't tie off there. We have an opportunity to tie off here, or we can get your butt on the ground yeah. by doing something this but way. But it's also basic training stuff because, you know, a lot of times when I'm just doing refresher classes or whatever, I'll go look at it and ask yourself, can I hang a pickup truck from it? Right. Probably can't hang a pickup truck from that two by four wall that's built over there that you have a beam strap. It'd be some kind around. of crazy ass wood that we need to start building <laughs> houses out of. <laughs> right. So. Let's go on to uh, some questions from the old email box today. Um, if you guys have any questions, please hit us up. I'm Fred at QuadCitySafety.com. Um, let us know. So number one, can we wrap a beam strap around a beam multiple times before tying off to it? Absolutely. I think that that was one that we encountered this week, somebody asking. Yep. And a lot of times what will happen is they're like, Oh, I got this beam strap, and it's it's a, usually they're six foot's probably the classic size, right? And they they they'll have all this extra, right, sitting there, and they're like, don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And the main thing to do when you when you put a or install one correctly is you should really kind of you usually have a big D and a little D. A little D is going to go through the big D, so orient that little D kind of in the middle of of whatever you're trying to, to to wrap it around. Some of them have a little D through a loop, right? Could, could. Yeah. But you need to pass back through that. Yeah. Because it's meant to, how to say, you don't want to sit there and take it around once and just kind of string it left or right of where it is. You yeah. want it in that direct circle coming back through. So uh, little D comes through big D first time. Little D comes back through big D second time. Right. So that when you, when you stress that anchor point, it comes down to a why. Yeah. So yes, it you absolutely should wrap them about as tight as you can get. It's never going to be perfect. Yeah. You may have a little tail coming out. You know, a couple inches. That's going to be that's going to be best practice. But you don't want the length. You know, you don't want to have a six foot strap that you wrap around once. You tie it through, and now all of a sudden you're hanging down four feet from that Preferably strap. Preferably not. Right. For one thing, you're going to have to. Look at how high you are, yeah, because that's going to change. Well, your typically the biggest point, the biggest problem, a lot of times, is getting an anchor point that's high enough, right? Meaning it's above the dorsal D. We're always looking for that stuff, yeah. And so that would, whether it's that case or just the fact that it's it's how to say it's going to work better when it's wrapped. Sure. Number two, what is the difference between a retractable and a winch on separate legs of a tripod? depends on what you got so you said a retractable and a winch yep so the retractable often in a confined space like on a tripod will be called a three-way and it's kind of kind of misinformation because it's not really like three ways um so that is your fall protection yeah um if you have a winch off of the second leg, that theoretically is what you're use, using to move man and tool. So 
Um, if you have both of those, that would be a perfect case where I've got a manhole. We got to go down 15 feet. There's no ladder in. Yeah. So in that situation, it's like, okay, we have to lower the guy. So you have to have a man rated winch. But since you can also fall, then you have the three way or the uh, rescue retractable, whatever you, you know, they call them a lot of different things that you're going to use in your fall protection. So in the case of going down, that would be one where you, you could use it, you know, theoretically, um, as your fall, you would use the, the three way as your fall protection and the winch to, to physically lower it. Okay. You don't want it's, to, it's a misconception that you can use those three way devices to lower a person into a confined space. They are not built to do that. Okay. Cool. Number three, how do I determine what size of fire extinguisher I need? How big's your fire? Okay. What is your fire? Um, so everybody's seen ABC. So it's like, I'll just say, all fires are not created equal. Yeah. It's like, just give you the classic example. If you're frying bacon and all of a sudden you have a grease fire, and you throw a big cup of water on it, shit's gonna get real. Right. Well, the same reason that you need to really know what kind of fire you're trying to uh, put out. I mean, it's amazing some of the, I mean, even in industrial applications, um, I've been to places where, you know, they have to fight it with certain chemicals. You know, you can't even, you can't even use a regular fire extinguisher or anything on it because that's just, not how it works. Yeah. It's a chemical reaction or something versus what it is. But so the first thing is making sure typically in most situations an ABC and then they'll come in different sizes. So realistically, you know, if I'm worried about having, um, let's go with just the kitchen fire. Yeah. So if I'm sitting there looking at a kitchen fire, I probably don't need a 10 pound ABC fire extinguisher to do that. Cause not a lot of space. But let's say that I I have some oily waste and I've done a piss poor job of getting rid of it and it's in a corner of my building and I need to and I'm and I keep fire extinguishers there, keeping a keeping like a a two and a half pound or maybe a five pound is not going to be enough to do what you need to do. Okay, um, it can be the proximity to it. So maybe. Maybe a five pounder is good enough to start with because when you start thinking about it, you kind of got to move around with these things. So the heavier you get, you know, if if you have, you know, let's say a smaller female that's trying to react to it, yeah. and all of a sudden she's got a you know a larger fire extinguisher, it's going to be harder for her to deal with than than something that's smaller. So we don't sell a lot of fire extinguishers for some reason, um, but is that something you think that? You have like a hazard analysis done or something like it was one of the companies yeah. that really does a lot with fire. Yeah, yeah. They're going to come around or... and take a look at what you're doing, uh, ask you what, you know, you're trying to Recommend. put out. Yeah. And they can even do training. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, uh, a lot of people that fire service guys, you know, uh, our buddies over at Tri-State Fire across the river, they're, they're really into this. And, you know, Rob Miller, I talk to him all the time. He does a lot of training with it and putting out a fire is there's a little bit of art to it you know yeah. how you attack a fire 
you know, like the classic example is you, you, you see people a lot of times, you know, the water arching into the fire. That's not necessarily the kind of fires that we're going to try to put out. We're going to attack them a little bit different way. Yeah. So having somebody spend two or three minutes training on, you know, pointing not towards the top of the fire, but, you know, really into the, the gut of it. And they actually even have little machines that help you uh, measure that somebody's doing it right. Okay. So. Cool. That'll wrap that up. So something I was going to talk about that I saw a story to, uh, sometime this week that was pretty interesting to me. First off, what do you classify a streaker? A streaker? A streaker, yeah. Uh, Frank the Tank. So someone that's naked, right? Somebody, that, to me, a streaker has to be... <laughs> at least in their underwear, that, right? At least in their underwear or butt naked with a mask. Yeah. So uh, this guy in Colorado this week, baseball game, he was oh, running, across, running across the field. Yeah. But he was fully clothed. Yeah. And so people were calling him a streaker. And yeah. so I saw that. I was like, he's got all his clothes on. How's he just like... <laughs> asshole running on the field yeah. it's not really a streaker but you saw that where the guy yeah. went up into the he like made it through the stands got, got climbed up the fence made it about two steps and, and then fuck goldberg came and just speared his ass <laughs> down about six steps yeah now this will tell me a lot about probably our differences what was your thought when you saw that happen um why didn't he let him get away about the guy okay yeah. so you were my thought is the guy in the stands that hit him, what an asshole! Like yeah. it's it's yeah. us yeah. versus them. Yeah, like I mean, he made it off the field. How to say? Do I like laws and the rule of law? <laughs> yeah, but I'm gonna cheer, cheer for the guy to get away with something that's funny. You know? <laughs> right? Yeah, he did, the no, kid he, that streaks across he the punches high school one of the players field, or something like that. Yeah, jumps the fence, gets, and there's a pickup truck that immediately exactly. goes, speeds away with license plates on it. They later right. go get him, but you want him to. I'm not running out there to tackle him myself. That's security's job. I want to see the dynamic. He's not really hurting anybody. Yeah. So that was my, okay, I thought you'd be like, well, good for the guy laying his ass out in the stands for some reason. No, I want to see that guy succeed because they're (laughs) going to catch him. (laughs) Right. He's going, he didn't have a mask on, number one. So you see what he looks like. They're going to eventually get him. But yeah, I've seen, there was a, a soccer one that I watched where the guy ran all the way across the field. You know, he stiff arms every, all the security guys makes it, and he, he reaches down and they drop like a flag down. He climbed the flag up into the stands. <laughs> they pulled him out of there, and he ran up into the into the stands. So they were really helping him out. It's teamwork. But this kid, man, what yeah. a dick! Yeah, no doubt. And then he like he went down and picked up his hat. He was about my size. He didn't look like he was all that, but he caught the guy by surprise. I think. Yeah. Because you figure. If I'm getting tackled, it's gonna be on the field. I made it to the stand. I'm stands. worried about what's behind me. I'm home. Yeah. I made I made it home, yeah. and all of a sudden, someone blindsides you from the stands. What an asshole! So, anyways, that's it. That's all I got for uh, for this week. Um, appreciate everyone listening. We're here most of the way through season three, so we've got some momentum. I think Dave and I have got some confidence doing this. So, we'd love to hear from you if you got any topics that you'd love for us to hit. Um, we're always looking for new topics, new things to talk about recommended guests anybody you'd like us to talk to or yeah any topics to broach so please reach out um don't be strangers don't feel like uh we're not some national podcast that's got millions of listeners that your email is going to get lost in the box so please reach out to us if you got any questions so we want to help you out make it home safe um continue the conversation on safety so 
We'll be back next week. And if you think OSHA is a city in Wisconsin, you're probably mistaken. For sure. So quadcitysafety.com, any of our social media, reach out. Uh, We'll be back next week with another exciting episode. Safety's got no quitting time. Thank you. Thanks for listening in to Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, brought to you by Quad City Safety. Send us your questions on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter at Quad City Safety. Hashtag Safety Tales. Or email them to Fred at quadcitysafety.com. He's the guy keeping this mess of a show in line. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's a kick-ass way to show that you care about safety.